America. My name is Armio from Punk. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today I'm going to talk about the problem with white schools. I it's going to be a very fascinating show and people are very confused because, you know, maybe these schools have higher test scores than your neighborhood school full of broke black people or non-white people or whatever. But there's a big problem um, in these schools and you got to have to be honest about what the problem is, how it uh, is realized and what it means for both white and non-white kids in those schools. So what makes a school a white school? I'm going to start off with um, a little bit of rehearsal of Gary Peeler's argument from his book, Critical Race Consciousness. Peeler's a law professor at Georgetown. It's actually a really lovely book. It's, it's impressive. And um, he starts off talking about Malcolm X, and Malcolm X is like, look, the difference between a segregated school and a non-segregated school is that a segregated school, uh, white people run the school. And a non-segregated school, then community members run the school be they white, black, um, whatever, right? So that's actually, a, it's, it's a pretty, it's, it's, it's a good understanding. If your school is determined by the needs of an ethnic class, then it's a segregated school, which means a lot of HBCUs, especially as they chase after that, that um, Melinda Gates and Mackenzie Scott slash Mackenzie, Mrs. Mackenzie Bezos money, they're not really run by black people. And that, that tells you, I mean, it's not an accident that W.B. Du Bois and Carter G. Wilson both got fired by HBCUs. So um, there's a way in which HBCUs are white schools because what makes a school a segregated school uh, like a, uh, is that it's not run by its community, by the community it's supposed to serve. Instead, it's run for the interests of white nationalists. And... You know, there are a lot of schools with black people that are run by the interests of white nationalists, not necessarily the interests of black people. So those are just segregated schools. They're not, um, yeah, they're not schools that are supposed to cultivate us into freedom and, 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 and democratic self-governance with other people, right? So that was Malcolm X, as reported by Gary Peller. So a segregated school isn't necessarily a school with only one race in it. It's a school where there's one, well, in America, where the white ethnic interest determines the curriculum. And make no mistake, a lot of your black schools are determined by a curriculum and priorities and a sensibility that's not necessarily consistent with securing justice for black people and is not actually teaching black people what they need to learn. So you can go to an all black school that is still a white school. Right. All right. So, uh, I just want to clear that off because I think that's a it's a it's a it's a it's a helpful it's a helpful rule of thumb or heuristic on how to think through what we're talking about when we talk about segregated schools and white schools and black schools and and it's really about whose interest is the curriculum design and the structure in support of right if it's in support of democracy it's not a segregated school if it's in support of if it represents the community it's not a segregated school but if it's if it represents um, you know white interests exclusively it, it, it's a segregated school doesn't really matter the racial makeup of the school it's still a segregated school insofar as the curriculum is ethnically based um insofar it, it, in, in terms of white supremacy All right so i think that's that's um clear like malcolm x doesn't put a finer point on the opposite of this isn't 
the community necessarily running the school, but the school being founded on democratic principles. I guess I can do a whole show on that. But either you have a you have a school that's that's um, that's cultivating people to live and share power and govern with people as Americans, or you have a white supremacist school. So either your school is teaching democratic um principles and accountability or it's just a white supremacist school so if your school is scared to tell the truth about you know the, the american revolution and jim crow and the racialized degradation of black people that was enshrined in law and is realized in all like property and civil relations um then your school is functionally a segregated school it's, it's functionally a white supremacist school so that was the way of an introduction uh, just so that you can identify what a segregated school is, what a white supremacist school is. It's a school that's it, its entire curriculum, or not entire curriculum, but a substantive or preponderance of its curriculum is organized to shield white people from themselves, uh, from the uglier parts of themselves in a way that's actually averse to securing racial justice. Right? So what I'm going to talk about mostly in this video is I'm going to, we're going to go through a few excerpts of my wonderful niece. Mackenzie Frimpong, she's a soccer player. Oh, she's more than a soccer player. She's a wonderful human at uh, Washington State. And she plays soccer there. She grew up in Vancouver, Washington, which is a suburb of Portland. And she went to a big Christian school. So my uncle, uh, this is my uncle's daughter's kid. So my cousin's kid. My, my niece, I guess, once removed that on him. So, um, so my uncle and my dad both came over from Ghana. And my uncle settled in Vancouver, uh, Washington, which is on the Washington, Oregon border. And my dad settled in California. And all right, so and then my cousin was a U.S. national team soccer player. My uh, my cousin was a big deal soccer player, huge deal soccer player. Actually, she would be even a bigger deal, I think. If at the time, this is 2007-2008, the U.S. was really committed to not having too many high-profile black people because, you know, Tina Frimpong was very black and um, a very good. She scored a ton of goals for for the University of Washington and they moved her to defense. But really, she's pretty much, she's got, she had the goal scoring of Abby Wambach, except she could actually run. <laughs> like she ran like a deer. Like, so she could have been probably the most dominant player in um soccer but she, like she wasn't part of like the white ponytail gang and so far and that's what we were really pushing in women's soccer at the time and we're kind of pushing now but make no mistake the one game the u.s team did start her at forward which was her position um she scored a goal <laughs> like, like you put her up there she's like she she was very good at that she just wasn't she's the she was very black and, and she would have been very dominant. And I don't think uh, the U.S. women's soccer was ready for that. But we can talk about that. And another. I have a lot of thoughts about U.S. women's soccer because I actually like watching women's soccer. And I don't hate the U.S. women's team. I just, I have questions and I have concerns and about the, you know, the priorities and the direction of the program. But I can do a whole different show, maybe not on Thursday, on my thoughts on U.S. women's soccer because it's uh, fascinating. And, you know. Teach my daughter so daughter's soccer, so they play soccer. Anyway, so this is her kid, um, Mackenzie Frimpong, 
and she's just talking about how she what it's what it was like growing up having a mom who was you know a professional soccer player and uh and you know mckinsey's dad is white and uh you know mckinsey's mom is you know my cousin on my african side so like she's dark black um so this is just a quick introduction i went up to her i was talking to some of my friends in middle school and they're like if you're not having fun with it you know you should tell her and i was like okay guys here goes nothing and i told my mom i was like mom after school i was like mom i would like to quit and she just said no and then we did that. <laughs> i never asked again and i'm very thankful because i was just being a little punk but i just think it's funny different parents are i went up to her i was talking to so you have to appreciate it. one thing i like about that clip was that <laughs> you can imagine my cousin parented a lot like i did about like if my daughter ever came and said well, i want to quit playing soccer i want to quit um playing music i would be like all right that's good that you told me what you want to do now let's work on this drill or let's it's time to practice now so i'm not one of these kind of laissez-faire american parents who, who just kind of like think well it's got to come from the kid it's what the kid wants to do no kids you tell them you set a path and they can hop off the path when they're after you know they're 25. <laughs> so and so it's you there's a responsibility as a parent to like set the right path with the amount of flexibility and play but like Make no mistake, there's no laissez-faire parenting. It's barely parenting. I think it's bad parenting. Which is why I talk more about families than probably a lot of other YouTubers. Because I have no problem telling parents how to parent their kids. And, and I, like I said, I have no problem telling anybody how to parent their kids. And I have, don't have any problem telling white people how to parent their kids. And they're screwing up their kids. And then they're screwing up their kids who then live with our kids. And then so, like, it's, we have a vested interest in white parents screwing up their kids. So uh, now she's going to talk a little bit about what it was going, what it was like going to this predominantly white school because she went to a white Christian school from kindergarten through high school that was full of you know jerks, right? So um, I'm going to play two clips back to back, and you'll kind of get the sense of what she was wrestling with. N mind you, this is Mackenzie, my niece, um, uh, Washington State soccer player like has been scoring a ton of goals ever since and assists because unlike a lot of the women in the u.s national teams like mckenzie can actually pass um so she she's uh fantastic and this is her just kind of talking about what it was like growing up in that white environment you're taught like oh well i'm not being called this that and the other but they're making me like they're making little comments so it's like oh i shouldn't make a big deal out of it that's always how i was and so middle school i started dealing with a little bit of microaggressions just people in that area had some interesting outlook out or what's it called outlooks yeah outlooks, outlooks world view, yeah like. worldview just stuff like that a little bit interesting um so i was learning but my my big thing when i was at kingsway was to just blend in as much as possible mm -hmm. so i would identify as a Republican in that time, unfortunately, <laughs> can't win them all. But yeah, then into high school was when it got, I would say, much worse because the education level of race, gender, don't even talk about gender at Kingsway because there's only two, quote unquote, for them. Mm -hmm. um, sexuality, like it was all just like, we didn't talk about it. And if we did, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. So going through that was very interesting for me. And I didn't even realize a lot of the stuff that I went through until I graduated and left. 
but I don't want to I don't want to harp on them because I think that there's a lot of great people at that school and I was taught a lot of awesome things but there was a lot that went unnoticed and uneducated and like untalked about so that that's mostly my experience you're taught like oh so you have to understand that if you're going to a school like that, you're, you're going to a school that's functionally a segregation academy. And the segregation academy, like it's an entire school that's organized around you not being a real person or not being a person for whom equal respect should be um, uh, met out, right? And, you know, you add the religiosity into it. It's like a deeply... Um, uh, mutually reinforcing white nationalist regime in a way that's not particularly healthy for anybody and confusing and distortive. And so this last thing, um, this last clip I'm going to show you is Mackenzie talking about an incident that happened at her school wherein a visiting soccer player, uh, was a black guy, played soccer, was taking a, pe a penalty kick, and then, you know, the white kids started whiting in the, in the audience and they were, you know, making monkey noises and all that stuff. And this school quickly disavowed it except like also didn't take any responsibility for creating the culture that allows it to to be a thing and just how mckenzie kind of worked how that worked on her and worked through her and what she kind of thought about it and you just have to understand that this is what this is what we ask people to do um and it's not really fair i don't think it's really fair for the adults not to adult and for the kids to have to kind of uh, deal with this kind of nonsense. All right, here you go. So David Moore, soccer player at Seton Catholic High School, rival school of Kingsway, the Holy War. He was going for a PK, correct? Yeah, Penalty PK kick. got called. Uh, PK gets called, and as he's lining up to do a shot, you hear monkey noises in the crowd. And my thing with this is somebody who attended Kingsway, and this was coming from the Kingsway student section, you know, disgusting behavior, but unfortunately, like, not surprising or mm -hmm. shocking at all. What were the emotions you went through seeing that from the school you attended? Yeah. Watching that was definitely hard, but in a, in a really weird way, I'm, I'm so grateful that it happened because I've been talking about stuff that Kingsway students have been saying for the past literal 10 years. I've talked about it to my mom and she's she's like, you know, I'm sure this, that, and the other, you know, maybe they don't. And she's always, you know, trying to make peace of the situation. But now, like, you can, you can, it's, it's a video. You can't, you know, make that up. Um, I was just, I felt bad for him because being a black athlete anywhere, especially in those, a private school, like just how Kingsway is, I know it's hard as is, so... To have Kingsway students saying that to him and like, it, it just, it, it really makes me mad. But above everything else, I'm just happy that we were able to catch that on video. And now like he's using his platform to create so much positive change. One thing that makes me mad is Kingsway says it wasn't their student now. Yeah. But it's like no student's gonna be like, oh yeah, that was me in the viral video. That's mm -hmm. like, like, I'm not saying it was a Kingsway student because again, we don't know. Yeah. But um I don't know I don't know why a Seton Catholic student would be doing that to their own person. I don't know again, mm -hmm. again, but I'm very very willing to bet that it was one of the Kingsway students and I think the way that Kingsway's responding to it is just not enough. They're just trying to shirk it off in my opinion rather than deal with it. And so in in my tweet I was like 
I think this is a great opportunity, regardless of who said it, regardless of, you know, whatever. It's a great opportunity to just educate your students and maybe have a one of our many chapel talks that we have every Wednesday. Maybe we could just talk about some injustices and some things that people have to go through and how to make people feel comfortable in your community. So mm -hmm. I think overall it's just a good learning experience, but it's so annoying that it took this incident because that will affect him regardless of how he positively he may be, you know, reacting to it. That'll affect him forever. So yeah. I'm just happy he's making good of the situation, which is really powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, my my thing, especially seeing how Kingsway is dealing with the situation is really, it's a letdown. And 100%. it's on brand with the lack of accountability. And my worry is that they're going to find the student or student's who did it um, and they'll get suspended or expelled or whatever. And then they'll have like the assembly, like, Oh, like this isn't okay. Like don't do this and then just move on and, from yeah. it. And there's not going to be any more education on these kind of things. And these kids are going to keep going on <coughs> in this pattern that we've seen for so many years of Kingsway students in these um, small private Christian and Catholic schools where, they're so uneducated in these well, fields. And it's, in my opinion, because the school's being funded by these higher-up parents and the superintendent of Kingsway values those people. And you can tell that he doesn't really value the actual, you know, students. I remember it was posted one time on a Kingsway account. It was um, asking for money from for donors Mm -hmm. And it was like to help uh, Kingsway students who need it, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's a picture of a, of a black kid and a black mom, like a black family. Mm -hmm. And people, like, people are like, okay, it's fine. But it's like, obviously, that's not the demographic of the school. So yeah. why is that being painted as the person who needs help the mm -hmm. most? And yeah, no, how is that okay? Of, uh, the sororities on campus here where they have like the one, the one token, yes. girl. And then it's like, yeah, she's in every... <laughs> And like clip, I, yeah. I, I had a big falling out with Kingsway because of me coming out and dating my girlfriend. So they unfollowed me on Twitter, on Instagram. That I'm shut out from that school. But my picture is still on the sports brochure website, yeah. I think to this day. So it's just it's funny to see how they value you and how what they actually care about. Yeah, like and then they wonder why it's a little bit frustrating when these issues happen, oh, but you you represent me here and you think so highly of me here and as a sports person, mm -hmm. but I'm unfollowing you because you're gay yeah. and you're mm -hmm. going to hell and all this stuff. It's yeah, just, like it's we frustrating. Don't, we, don't we don't take all of you. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just what you did for us. Exactly. So, um, so David Moore. So there's no amount of uh, SATs, like improvement or... Um, Christian education that could make that acceptable. I mean, that's that's a quality of torture and the gaslighting involved and the idea that, you know, no one's going to believe you. And then, like, look, if you're going to send a kid into that environment, you got two ways. Either you're going to either spend all your time making excuses for the whites or you got to teach your kid to fuck those fuckers. Fuck those fuckers. Fuck those stupid fuckers. And you got to go in with that attitude. And as a parent, I think it's very healthy. And there are dangers to not instilling that attitude into black youth because a lot of black youth go into these spaces and think they're white 
And that just ends up with a lot of confusion and, and all sorts of degradation. And it's not particularly good for black people in general. So you have to go in with the attitude of like, fuck those fuckers. And, and that's what you have to instill in your kid. And that's just how it is. And you could like, you could do it. The softest way you can do it is look, it's not their fault. They're fuckers. Um, they were raised that way. It's a, it's a problem and it's a deficiency in their culture, but make no mistake. Fuck those fuckers. Um, and if you ever think that something's happening to you, you're right. Fuck those fuckers. And like, that's the attitude you got to instill to your kid. And that maybe you could survive that way. But if you go the other way and, and have your kid always constantly making excuses for them, that's never, that's just not a recipe for success. It's a recipe for confusion, confusion and ultimately degradation in not an obvious way. Um, so So yeah, that's, uh, by the way, someone asked who, that's my, that's my niece, Mackenzie. It's my niece, Mackenzie Frimpong, Mackenzie Frimpong Ellertson, Ellertson, Mackenzie Ellertson. And she plays soccer at, um, at, at Washington State. And she's just like a wonderful human being. But you have to understand that that's a form of torture. That's a form of torture. And then the gaslighting on top of it. And then you having to make excuses and trying to blend in and that's assimilating into a form of white supremacy and white Christian nationalism. And that's not particularly healthy for anybody. Um, and you know, it's funny, they talk about how, you know, they liked it when she was scoring goals for the soccer because she scored a lot of goals for Kingsway Christian school. She scored a lot of goals for them. She liked them for the color. She liked them on the brochure. And then when she came out and started dating her girlfriend, they cut her off. That's, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the part where Jesus was cutting off people from the flock, but, um, they cut her off. So they like her for the goals. They don't like her for like who she is in all of her ways. And that's, I think that's, that's not particularly Christian in my view. Um, like I have a problem with that as, you know, someone who actually thinks that religion is a, 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 a good thing in the nation in general and, and could be a lot better and is actually, actually, as it's realized, it's not particularly good, it's, but it's important in general. And so you can't just make a secular nation and have it be like, fulfill all the people's needs in the way that nation should. So, um, yeah. So they liked her for her color as long as she kept her mouth shut. You know, my friend once had a, had a saying about Muhammad Ali. Everyone liked him a lot more once he lost his ability to speak, once he was rendered mute. So, um, uh, that's kind of like what it was with Mackenzie Ellerton. They liked her as long as she was a puppet. But as soon as she actually started thinking her own things, they're like, we'll take your goals. <laughs> now, now shut up and score the goals and assist for us. I don't actually have things to say and, and, you know, curriculum challenges. And so, I mean, she talks about later on in the, in the interview, she talks about how she used to, she went to a friend's house and then um, she couldn't go inside because the friend's grandma doesn't like interracial couples and her mom's black and her dad's white. So <clears throat> she's an abomination. And it's funny because apparently the grandma adored her mom, but thought really poorly of the white guy for screwing up the game. And you gotta like a lot of these white women know exactly what this game is. And that's why they, uh, <laughs> they blame that dude for screwing up the game. Um, but 
and then so that was like another another story about going like dealing with her racist friend's parents but notice her racist friend like said no you wait outside while i go deal with my grandma it's not like the racist friend's not going to fight grandma because then you jeopardize the inheritance and white people are not going to jeopardize that inheritance old money is a lot of money and in oregon and washington old money is all white uh and in oregon that's by design but you have to understand what that means you have to understand what all of this means um so what you're dealing with when you send a kid into that viper's nest i would just never do it i would like you would not find me like sending my kid into a into a a white school like that i don't like i just can't imagine why that would be the case now i have the privilege of doing this because i can educate my kid on their own like my mom sent me to a white high school but you know she was a working nurse and like i'm just more confident that no matter what my kids get in school in terms of con <clears throat> content i just assume they're going to learn everything that matters for me anyway right so like i don't like they learn math from me they learn history from they learn everything from me so the school is just supplement the education they're going to de facto get at home because i don't trust any of these institutions to actually teach my kid i just want them to like hold steady so when they come home on weekends in summer i'll actually teach them everything they have to know and but i happen to be a guy who like is kind of a rapacious reader and knows things and thinks about how to, to to bring up humans in a in a way and i try to do that every thursday at uh you know about this time so if you appreciate what i do go over to funkyacademic.com and kick in 5 15 50 a month so i can keep doing it and share this friend this video with your friends and we gotta just think what we mean because this idea that these white schools even if they have the higher test scores and are christian are the best schools is is actually doing a lot of damage in terms of confusion about the problem and it's not particularly good for white people either it distorts them so we just need to we need to we need an audit right <laughs> we need to audit the standards and we need to talk about we need to talk about this version of christianity we need to talk about this version of education that's functionally white supremacist and in an institution that is functionally white supremacist right so the education is uh, and content is is functionally white supremacist excuse me functionally white supremacist but also the structure of the institution where mckenzie had to felt comfortable or felt like she had to assimilate into it um you know that's that's just no way to be a person she talks about how uh she just had to kind of roll with her friends using the n-word casually just because like oh, that's that's fine um her white friends doing that and you know it's just we don't talk about the violence and the terrorism that goes along that accounts for black degradation as it stands All right so that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Be very careful. It, the test scores aren't worth it. The test scores are not worth it. And, the diff and if you take anything else from this video, just understand that the difference between a segregated school and a non-segregated school isn't necessarily the mono-ethnicity that's in the school, because you could have a black segregated school. Um, you could have a black white supremacist school, which I, arguably a lot of HBCUs are, because that's where the money comes from. And so if you're not trying to tick off whites, if you're trying to teach black people, but you're doing it in a way that's not trying to tick off whites, you're just a white supremacist school in a black face. <laughs> you're the Obama of schools. Um, and there are a lot of black HBCUs that are the Obama of schools. We'll teach black people, 
we'll just teach them in a way that makes sure that they're like, like not going to take off the whites, right? But you're not going to have a secure justice for black communities that way. There'll always be a, a yawning abyss between the quality of education that you'll get at those kinds of schools and the justice claims that are required for black people. So the opposite of a segregated school, either white or black, is going to be a school that's run on democratic principles, which means we're preparing people to govern the world, which means they need to know the truth about history. They need to know the truth about the way race happens to operate in the United States and the truth about law. And the problem with trying to assimilate a degraded class into an order of, 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 of white supremacy and what that means. Um, in a capitalist economy where we don't own anything, like you're teaching black people as a people that they're free when we don't own anything. Like we don't own commercial real estate. We don't own, like you, can't, you can't function freely in a capitalist society if you don't own anything. So you're, just pre you're pretty much teaching them to suck up to the people who do own anything. And not maybe necessarily, they can live in a black community that's not directly sucking up to the people who own things. But um, insofar as they can, when the people who own things want, want to tell those black people what to do, they don't have the skills to say like, no, and they don't have the resources to fight against them. So it's functionally, you're like renting. You're, 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 you have your freedom on layaway. Um, you know, I said this a few years ago, but the draw of those kinds of white schools and white environments is that you, you try to get a kind of contact freedom, not actually freedom, contact freedom. You feel like, well, you know, <clears throat> everywhere white people congregate, in serious numbers with decent amount of resources, there's clean water. So if I live amongst them, I don't have to worry about lead in my water. Whereas if you live amongst black people, black people just know that you need to check the water. It's not just in Flint, Michigan, anywhere there's like zip codes full of black people, you need to check the water because you know, the pipes might've been not maintained. Um, and there might not be resources for deferred maintenance, right? So, you try to get a kind of like, it's the equivalent of a contact high or you're next to somebody who's really getting high. Black people, we have contact freedom by getting in those white spaces, but that's not the same as freedom. And, that's, and that shouldn't be the, contact freedom shouldn't be the end goal because that's always still contingent on the someone, the person you're next to kind of wanting to be next to you, right? So contact freedom is not freedom. By the way, once again, if you want me to be real free and you want me to keep doing this show, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and maybe I'll do a whole show on contact freedom next week. It's been a while. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Next week's show is going to be on contact freedom and how that's not the same as real freedom, but it feels like it. Um, but you're still, you know, under the sway of somebody else. A lot of people have contact freedom through their jobs because, um, you know, they have these jobs, but they can't actually be black on the job. They can't actually be honest on the job because the job, 30% of the job is making white people comfortable about their whiteness. And so if that's 30% of the job, in addition to the other job, then you can't actually be who you are on the job. So you, you do it for contact freedom. Your colleague, your white colleague at that same job is actually free. Participating on a par with equals, uh, like, but like you have contact freedom. You're free because on, in some way you have the same job title as this other person who's white. And now if you have the same job title as a lot of other people who are black, you might not even have contact freedom. Because they'll just degrade the whole job. And with that, I will talk to you next week. And we'll talk about contact freedom. Not the same as real freedom, 
It's the freedom you get from being next to someone who actually has real freedom and being confused and having some of the same classifications as someone who has real freedom. But that's just contact freedom, like a contact high. All right, later.